0: Hey, everyone, this is Jim, and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. As always, for more information, you can visit the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com. Sign up for the mailing list, and I'll send you an update as soon as a new podcast becomes available. So today I wanted to talk about uh, a few things. I wanted to talk about uh, faith and turning the corner in your life. There, there are certain things that... Um, can become ingrained into you as, a, as an individual. And some of these things happen when we're younger, and it's hard to shake. But all things are possible with God, and according to the Bible, for those that believe, we have his spirit on the inside of us. And as a, a child of God, you're not supposed to be in a place in your life where you're beaten down, defeated, discouraged, worrying, or any of those things. And Jesus said to his disciples that to be of good cheer because he overcame the world. And according to the book of Ephesians, we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. Uh, Far above all of the rulers of the darkness of this age, the Bible says that there's one body, Christ is the head, the church are the believers, they are the body. So it pictures us as members of one another and of members of him. So if you think about a human body, Jesus would be the head, and then the rest of the body would be made up of all of those who believe. And here's an interesting thing. If you go back to the book of Acts and you look at Saul's conversion, uh, Saul persecuted uh, believers greatly, and he presided over the stoning of Stephen, uh, who was martyred. And when Jesus appeared to him, on the road to Damascus, he said, um, you know, Saul, Saul, why why are you persecuting me? And his response is, who are you, Lord? And, and that question is an interesting question when you really think about it, because if we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, then when somebody is persecuting a believer, they're actually persecuting Jesus. So notice all of the persecution that uh, Saul of Tarsus, before he became Paul, the apostle all the persecution that he brought upon the believers jesus received that in himself as it was being done to him in his mind it is being done to him because the bible says that we have a high priest who can relate to us and the feelings of our infirmity because he walked this earth just as we did um and just as we do i mean as as a human being um and after the resurrection then we were baptized together with him i don't want to really get into the theology of it i just want to give you the main you know that when you get too deep into things you can get off into different areas and and into some gray areas we'd like to be able to explain how everything works but the truth is we don't understand everything and we don't have to the idea is is We've been given promises of God. We take those promises, we pray, and we believe. And the Bible says we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We finish the course that God has for our lives. And then there's reserved for us in that heavenly world um, rewards for obeying God, even in the littlest of things. So, uh, but let me, let me switch back again. We, we, when Jesus said, "Why are you persecuting me?" I, I had a revelation of that. I had an insight into that, where I understood that the things that I was feeling, the people that were coming against uh, me in in my own life, were actually coming against Him. Uh, the persecution that I was facing, even though maybe it wasn't directed as me as an individual, but because I was in a certain situation, I was facing um, this um, certain amount of persecution from, um, uh, I guess you could say a a corporate source or a bank, um, that was actually coming against him. So when someone, someone can't attack you without attacking Jesus. And so that's why, um, I'm, I'm taking the time to explain this because if you feel alone or you feel isolated, you're really not. That's just a feeling. According to the Bible, you are one with him and he is one with you. Jesus said that he would, He and his father would come after he left through the Holy Spirit and make their home with us. But that doesn't actually ha- help in, in real life, in real time, until you, until you start believing it, until you start saying it with your mouth out loud, until you start to make that a part of you in a practical way. So today, uh, when I got up, I I pray for Uh, my home. I pray for the property. I pray for the things that, um, the possessions, for things not to break down. I pray for people. I pray for people I know and family and people I don't know. But I don't just pray. I don't just say the words. I actually believe, I make a choice to believe that when I pray and when I use Jesus' name, that God actually moves as a result of me having prayed. So it says in the Old Testament that God's people perish for lack of knowledge. And we have not, it says in the New Testament, because we ask not. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open to you. But you realize that the Bible is a progressive revelation. In other words, it doesn't give you the whole story in just one chapter, in one book. When you put everything together, you have the full picture that you wouldn't have just by reading one book. For example, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone that knocks the doors open to him, according to the Bible. But yet in the book of James, we see if somebody lacks something like wisdom or health or anything else, um, let him ask of God, because God gives liberally, it says, to all men and doesn't withhold. But let him ask in faith, because if you're not asking in faith, if you're doubting, if you're wavering, then don't expect to receive anything. So some people go into prayer not expecting anything, not because maybe they're filled with doubt, but because they don't really know that God loves them. They didn't see it in the Bible, or they saw it, and for some reason, they disqualified themselves. Actually, I actually didn't plan on talking about this in particular, but I'm going down this path, so I'm going to keep on going. So you read about God loves everyone, but then you look at yourself, and maybe you find things that aren't so lovable about you. And when you're looking at yourself, you don't realize sometimes that we're all wired basically the same. All man is fallen. Our righteousness on our own is like a, a filthy rag. And Jesus said, "I'm the vine; you're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing." So in the John's Gospel, about chapter uh, 15, I think that is. So you know, you need to grab hold of it that we are what we are by the grace of God. We're saved, not that of our... It's a gift of God. And it said the prayer of faith will save the sick. It will also save the broken, destitute. It will also save the mentally oppressed. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed any sins or if she has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. So... Healing and forgiveness are go hand in hand according to that verse. Okay, so getting back to what we're saying earlier in life when things happen to you, what I was saying before, I had this incident. I was about nine years old at the time, I think, um, thereabouts. And we had a big family get-together. Uh, we had dinners at my grandmother's house. My grandmother lived there. Uh, her husband died, uh, when my mother was just a, a, teenager and, um, she never remarried. And then two of her sisters lived with her. One, her husband had died also. And the other sister never married. And, um, my uncle lived there also, which was their brother. So basically the brothers and sisters, um, lived together as they got older and helped one another out. But anyway, on this particular day, uh, we were just sitting around watching the television as we usually did before the dinner time. The women were talking in the other room. I was sitting there in the uh, chair watching TV, and my aunt came up to me and said, uh, wake up your uncle, It's we're going to be having dinner soon. And I heard her, but I really didn't feel like opening his bedroom door, going in there, and waking him up. I just felt uncomfortable doing that. I'd never done that before. And I had a good relationship with my uncle There wasn't that. It's just that, you know, I just felt kind of funny about going in and waking him up. So I, I pretended like I didn't hear her. So about five minutes later, stuff is getting together. And she comes walking by and she looks at me. Instead of asking again, she goes in there herself. And when she opens the door, she disappears in there. And I don't hear anything for a few moments. So I'm watching the TV and all of a sudden she comes walking out and her face is as white as a sheet and she said, come, come in here to either my father or my uncle or, or whoever was listening. Um, my uncle Mario, she said that was his name. I think he's dead. And naturally, the, everything suddenly changed. He went from everything being normal to... all of a sudden panic striking, right? So everyone were rushing in there. My uncle was a airline pilot and um, his wife, my aunt, was a a stewardess. They had been trained in CPR um, in case anything happened to anybody on the plane. So they took me outside. I think my mother or another aunt took me outside and they called the ambulance and as what well, turned out he was gone so he probably died an hour or two earlier and um i guess just had a massive heart attack or or uh, what it, what, it, what would you call that um cardiac arrest cardiac arrest i think is is probably more accurate differences is, is is cardiac arrest meaning it's almost like somebody pulls the plug out of the wall all power stops and you've got moments to revive the person in the in the natural. Um, but anyway, that left an impression on me because it showed me that bad could happen at any moment. And it was such a shock that I started anticipating bad happening from that moment forward to the people I cared about. Um Another incident happened where late at night there was a phone call, and of course, when you get a phone call late at night from a family member, and it turns out somebody else had died, then that sticks in your mind too as a child. So those two experiences kind of um, uh, affected me in a, in a deep way. Not that I was doom and gloom, but in the back of, of on the back burner of my consciousness was this thought that. Something bad could happen at any time. Well, when I became what I call a believing believer, and that was in my uh, late teens, I guess, or maybe twenty years old. I don't. Even, I don't even remember now. Um, so it was about thirty-one years ago. Um, I had to make a choice to believe because I thought at the time, well, if God was in real, really in control like I read in the Bible. And if Jesus was all-powerful, then why did those things happen? Why did he allow me to go through that if he was really good? And what I understood, it took a long time to understand, is that God isn't running everything down here. So look at it like there's a um, five doors you can go through. Door number one is God's perfect will for your life. Door number five is... You know, you you don't make it out of your teens. Maybe you die in an accident and then everywhere in between. So I believe God has his best. It's available for everyone. But he gave us free will. And we don't understand exactly how free will and grace work together. So the one thing that you can see from reading the Bible that God works with man. He doesn't seem to do anything apart from somebody praying and asking him. But yet God isn't limited by man either, because if he was, this whole thing would be would just go down like the Titanic. So somewhere in the in the drama of life we have our part to play. Somewhere in there our prayers can actually override the situations that maybe we don't even aren't even totally aware of or personally involved in, and God honors those prayers. But then somewhere along the line, the people that we're praying to are responsible for. For responding to God, for themselves. Think about it like this: um, if you were, if you remember, you're back in your school days. Think about when you were younger. Imagine if all of your teachers from grades one through six uh, just loved you and went out of their way to modify what they were doing in such a way that you would get the most out of it. In other words, they understood if you were a visual learner. Or if you did just find just audibly taking the information and processing it. They understood what your weaknesses were. So they created homework assignments designed to uh, strengthen those areas and enable you to really excel in those other areas that you were already a little bit stronger with. So as you went through these critical time in your life, everything was designed just for you. So <clears throat> school I mentioned school because it's the first time that it, as a as a person living in a, a developed country that you start realizing that wow you know life is a little bit tough as soon as you leave the house as soon as you're you're out on your your own in in the world that's your world so to speak Things don't always go the way you want them to go, and not everybody really you know, cares about you. Not everybody's looking out for you, and the, and the reality starts to hit, right? That's the way it is in school. You start becoming involved for the first time in social situations and so on and so forth. Some people thrive, some not so much. Some totally uh, have a t- terrible experience. Well, I believe that God kind of puts us in a place in life where, okay – Nothing is going to be perfect in this world, but he knows who you are. He knew who you were even before you were born. So he sets certain things up for you, almost like if you're tested on a curve, okay? Because Jesus already passed the main test for you. You're already uh, forgiven in Christ, but yet there's still things that are put in your path that you have to make choices and you just can't put them off. There's certain Challenges that you have to face. And there's no two ways about them. And God's not going to take no for an answer. You're going to have to face that beast in the name of Jesus with the promises of God, with the faith of God in your heart and coming out of your mouth. And you're going to have to keep on keeping on until you overcome. And so there's two things at work here. One, because of what the original Adam did. Satan and those fallen beings, along with the uh, demons and evil spirits, have a right to exist temporarily in this world. They have a right to come against you and test you. Of course, on the other hand, Bible says that God will not allow you to be tested above measure, but will with will every test provide a way of escape for you. So the way of escape is taking God's word and believing and refusing to doubt until the victory turns up. The Bible says, when I have been tested, when I have been tried with fire, I will come forth like gold. And so maybe you're feeling like that right now. I know there's one area that I'm particularly facing right now. I don't want to talk about it on this podcast because if I go into the details, I'll, you know, I'll be opposing my own faith, my own prayers, my own belief. But there is a situation that I'm facing, and maybe you're facing one just like this or similar, where um, every once in a while throughout the day, certain thoughts will creep into my mind which have with them that discouragement factor. In other words, if I think about certain things for too long, discouragement and fear will start to set in. It's almost like imagine you're living in a fortress. It's your faith fortress and you're in there and everything is fine. And you have these walls and everything, but every so often some um, messenger of doubt comes up and he gives you a message from his source, which is the enemy, and tells you this is what's going to really happen. Then what are you going to do? Or this is going to happen and then you're going to be in this situation. How do you feel about that? And if you listen to that voice, it just will take all of the wind out of your sails. So you can't listen to it, but you can't help but hear it sometimes. And so you have to fight the good fight of faith. So uh, consider this, Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Notice it doesn't just say for some of us, but for all of us. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Another faith faith booster, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. In other words, some people will tell you that God is only able to do what you can believe him to do. And maybe that's true sometimes, but not all the time, because it says right there that he's able to do above what we can ask or even think. So, We're faced with situations, each and every one of us, every day. We have the choice to start to doubt and worry, or we can keep on believing. I've made a choice, and in a previous episode I talked about journaling. And I actually will write down that I've made a choice to believe and not go back. I'll actually tell God about it, but sometimes it works if I write it down and not just talk to God about it, but write it down also, do both of those things because I'll be in a situation where <clears throat> it looks excuse me dire on the outside and I'll say lord I can't keep looking at this situation without getting fearful and if I ask an expert about it they'll tell me I can't ignore this situation or ignore it at your own peril but I've done all that I know to do and so from this point forward I'm I have to make a choice to trust you and not look at that or else I'll fall back into a place where I may start doubting and wavering. And I know, according to the word, if I waver, if I go into uh, doubt, you, then not to expect anything. So I thank you, Lord, for giving me strength. I thank you for not allowing me to be tested above that which I'm able to take. I thank you that with every test that I'm facing, including this one, you will make a of escape so that I will be able to keep on believing without falling into doubt and fear. And I thank you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he cares more about me than even my own family does. And he knows more about me than I even know for myself. And he saw this situation before the foundations of the earth and already made a provision long ago that all I have to do is believe and receive it in my heart And eventually it will, I will see it in my daily experience. So I'm going to believe you and trust you one day at a time. And today is that one day I'm starting here. I'm starting now. And I thank you that you've heard my prayers. I believe I received it. I believe I have it now in in that invisible faith world. And I thank you for that. And I'll do that one day at a time, each and every day. If I miss a day, and I start feeling those negative emotions coming back up. I'll go to God. I'll, I'll tell him I'm, I'm sorry that I allowed my focus to get diverted. And I'll go back to these simple scriptures once again. If you don't know where they are in the Bible, you can get a, um, a highlighter and highlight them so that it's easy to turn to. Um, you can get copy and paste them if you like using a, a computer or a tablet or your phone so that they're all in that one place um you can buy one of those bible promises books and look at that there was an old book that i still refer to that i bought back in the um late 80s i don't even know if they make it anymore but it has very simple scriptures in it. It's called Scripture Keys for Kingdom Living. It has little uh, encouraging things in it like um, 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Jeremiah um, 1, 12 says, I will hasten my word or I watch over it to perform it. Uh, Psalm 89.34 says that my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Um, Psalm 107.20 says he sent the word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Hosea 14.2 uh, says take with you words and turn to the Lord. In Isaiah 43.26 God invites his people, to put him in remembrance of his promises. And so I I can just go on and on, but you see that doing the thing or saying the words that encourage you today may not, you may not find that as encouraging three or four days from now. So that's why you have to just keep on top of yourself, watch yourself, watch what you say, watch the shows that you watch, especially if you're right in the middle of a severe test or trial, watch who you listen to. And, and keep on believing. Keep on keeping on. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Thanks again for listening. This is Jim. Again, for more information, feel free to visit the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com. It's faithtestedbyfire.com. Join the mailing list. I don't send anything out except for updates when there's a new podcast available. And that's about it.